I got to say, oh, you weren't there for this. This is a little sad. Uh, no, you know, forget it. Forget it. Um, you sure you don't want to share something a little sad on this fun show? Yeah, forget it. No, it's sad. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. Mm. And today we are going to be talking about the Haunting in Connecticut case, a story that was made into a movie that you may have heard of that came out in 2009. And Will is going to tell us the real story. I'm sure that word is a little bit loaded in connection with this. And then I'll talk to you about the movie and we're going to kind of compare and contrast and see fact fiction all that kind of stuff yeah it's a venn diagram right mm-hmm. like there certainly is a real event that took place right then there's how everybody remembers that event and yeah. tells the story of it mm-hmm. then there's the movie right what do they all share in common like what is that you know we'll have to see yeah th- what that middle space is like yeah exactly is it teeny or is it big yeah it's i'm really curious to see how this overlaps because i certainly yeah. in reading and watching a little bit about the haunting in connecticut mm-hmm. story um some of it's pretty cinematic. Yeah. Like it was sort of, um, I think I've seen the movie, but I don't really remember. But okay. hearing the events that took place to this family, I was like, oh, I see how you turn this into. Yeah. Why it would become a movie. Yes. This is a spooky scene yeah. to adapt. Right. Um, I'm really curious. Haunting in Connecticut is the poster for the movie where like the boy is barfing goo. Right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. He's barfing up ectoplasm. Oh. Oh, is it ectoplasm? Yes. Man, I'm curious. Ectoplasm is something that we should cover at some point. The evidence that ghosts leave behind? Because I don't even understand what that is. We talked about it in the episode about, like, we didn't cover its own thing, but I think we probably covered it. I think we kind of covered it. I think we've talked about it in drips and drabs, but even saying he barfed ectoplasm doesn't yeah. make me go like, oh, so that means what? <laughs> I, don't know. I think we talked about it a lot in the episode about Dan Aykroyd. Because his grandfather held seances and talked about how there was ectoplasm, how, um, if I remember correctly, a trombone appeared above them or something like that. Yes, that's correct. So I think we kind of got into ectoplasm in that one. Oh, love ectoplasm. Well, the ectoplasm is going to be flying this week. It certainly is. But before we get into all of that, we do, of course, want to remind you all to follow at GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram throughout the week to keep up with all the spooky news going on in the world wide wide what <laughs> what sorry i got possessed for a moment yeah. i think whoops possessed you know. by a, a stuttering whatever demon. yeah <laughs> whoever anyway. haunts the haunting connecticut you know what we mean follow gttu yeah. pod yeah absolutely and you can also go to <laughs> patreon.com slash gttu pod if you would like to, to support us and then get a bunch of bonus content so you can actually go even if you're not a member to patreon.com slash gttu pod and just kind of like scan through the post you won't be able to see them and interact with them but you'll be able to see the title of a post and a little snippet about what it is. We do monthly bonus episodes for patrons on the 15th of every month. I've posted a couple of short blog posts. I do a weekly clue as to what this week's topic is going to be every Tuesday. So you can take a look at that stuff and get kind of like the lay of the land for what's going on over there. Yeah, we really appreciate anything that you can offer, but I also yeah. do want to say that if you're listening to this show mm-hmm. on the day of release, that means our little brother live stream yeah. is already waiting for you. Yes. You'll get to find out if it was a spooky success or a uh, a burst bubble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. I was trying to go for some sort of D alliteration. I was like a a delirious dump, but burst bubble is much a delirious yeah, dump. It's better. Yeah. 
<laughs> Incredible. Burst bubbles better. All right. Well, let's dig into a haunting in Connecticut yeah. now. Yeah. So, Kristen, I found an incredible resource. Oh, fantastic. Um, that, quite frankly, there is something that happens during the course of this documentary I watched uh-huh. that itself is a paranormal event. Oh. Documentarians. Did you watch the Discovery Channel thing or something? No, 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 no. Paranormal Witness? This is, I almost watched Paranormal Witness. Okay. Instead, I watched The Fear is Real. Reinvestigating the Haunting in Connecticut. It is a documentary from 2009. Cool. Um, I almost think it was made in conjunction with the movie because they seem to use clips from the film. That makes sense. And the movie came out in 2009. Right. So that makes sense. Um, but so it's these documentarians talking to the the real family, mm-hmm. getting their story of what they experienced. Yeah. And um, it's the sort of documentary where, you know, there's not a Zach Bagans Mm -hmm. type person who is being the face of the documentary itself. Up front and center, it's the family telling their own story. You don't hear the voice of the documentarians at all. But then, all of a sudden, you do. And I can't wait to get there, but we're going to start at the beginning. Okay, real quick, did you know anything about this case or anything before you started researching it? Because I didn't. I will say, and I think that something awesome happens in the movie mm-hmm. um, that stuck with me. Yeah. But it might be the only thing that I, I knew about this. I know the poster okay. and the boy barfing the ectoplasm. Yeah. That's like all I knew. And yeah. I also got the movie mixed up in my head with The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, sure. Somehow, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. But I was just, I I don't know. I had um, images from that in my head, like a barn and stuff like that, that ended up being incorrect. Oh, right. And is I there s- something that breaks through the walls? Yes. Okay, that is what I remembered. I'll leave it for you to explain that. Yes. That is the moment in the movie that I think of still periodically. It's pretty sweet. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it's dope. Like, yeah. There's so much cool stuff here. Right. It's funny. This is almost an over, as much as, you know, they made a movie. So how overlooked could it be? Yeah. But it's not like super duper part of my... I know. Knowledge base. It's not like it's up there with Amityville or whatever, even right. though it seems like stuff happened that happened there was like pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know anything about the real story. I decided to like leave myself clean and just know the fictionalized version. So oh, I'm really okay. excited to find out like what the family said. Awesome. I had the paranormal witness episode open in a tab on my computer and I was like, no. Let me go into this one pure. Yeah. Well, the story really starts with the Snedeker family. Mm-hmm. Uh mother Carmen. Uh, the, her husband, whose name I do not know. Okay. Most of their son's names yeah. I do not know, nor their daughters. In my notes, I just have written the kid yes. for like half my notes. And then I heard his name. I was like, match. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'm centrally focused on Carmen, mm-hmm. the mother and Matt, yeah. one of the sons. Um, the Snedekers moved to, um, uh, they lived in Vermont, I think at some point. Uh, and then Matt was diagnosed with cancer Mm. and they ended up having to do these ridiculous round trips. They said at one point that it was like driving 300 miles round trip a day for his treatment, which is obviously insane. And, you know, quite frankly, this entire story kicks off with, um, finding out that your son has been diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. So it already starts from a point of like desperation. Yeah. And Carmen realized at a certain point that this is just an unsustainable system. Living far away and having to travel to Connecticut for his treatments constantly. Can't we just rent a place closer to where he gets his treatment? 
And finally, they figured out that they had the money. They did a little shopping around. And finally, they found a beautiful, Kristen, mm. a beautiful colonial house that was for sale. They talked to the people that were selling the house. And you know what? They agreed, we'll rent it to you. Did they get you it for rent. a song? They, Kristen, they got it for such a deal. And it was such a beautiful <laughs> house. And with all those kids, I mean, finding a place to rent was hard. Right. And what are they the found chances? Like, the perfect spot, except it's not so friggin' perfect. Uh. Because pretty quickly they realized that this beautiful old house was once a funeral home. Ew. Lightning crash, <laughs> thunder strike, needle drop. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. In the basement, there is still the, like, ephemera of a funeral home. There is a body lift, uh-huh. literally a little elevator to get the dead bodies to and from the basement for showings. Yeah. There is a blood pit. A Kristen, blood pit? A blood pit. I've never heard of that before. What is that? It's is a- that just, like, what's under the drain? Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's to drain blood. It is but why does blood. it remain in a pit? I guess I thought there was I some assume, sort of plumbing system happening. I, I assume it connects to a plumbing system of yeah. some sort. Or otherwise, it's like a big blood swimming pool. Right. It's or a pit. Tepid. Yeah. Tepid blood. So I guess it's not really a pit. It's just the, the, the blood drain. They the call it the blood drain. pit. Yeah, yeah. And they call it the blood pit. Exactly. Ooh. There is a south coffin room and a north coffin room, which okay. later become the kids' bedrooms. Oh my God. Sleeping in the coffin room. Oh. Sleeping in the coffin room. It was the Hallahan funeral home at one point, and almost immediately, the scary stuff starts ha- happening. Carmen is mopping the floor, uh-huh. and the blood turns a dark red, yeah, like blood. Blah. The sons, in particular, start experiencing things. All the kids seem to be um, aware of the goings on. Yeah, no one more so than Matt, mm-hmm. who is ill. Um, and he starts writing poems. Now, this documentary that I watched, by the way, I'll be able to put the link in the notes. It's on YouTube in case other people want to watch it. It's like uh, almost an hour long. Okay. They put on screen one of his poems. I wrote it down. Excellent. This is apparently a poem. As they displayed it on the this documentary, it was a, a white piece of lined paper that had handwriting on it. Yeah. I assume it's the real poem. Last night, so soft, quiet, sneak into the mortuary, fiddle with the dead. Oh, God, that's a messed up snippet of a sentence. Ice blue skin making me turn red. (laughs) I don't care how she died. I like formaldehyde. How old was Matt when? uh... I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. So he, he, I actually, I'm reading it the way it was written. Yeah. He wrote. I don't care how she died. I like formaldehyde. Then he crossed out formaldehyde. So now the line is actually, I don't care how she died. I like the smell formaldehyde. Okay. He's pl- <laughs> he's playing with tempo a little bit. Yes. Fiddle with dead. If I could just do a straight read of that again. Just Please. so everybody's yes, yes, yes. got it. Because I was interrupting. Last night so soft. Quiet. Sneak into the mortuary. Fiddle with the dead. Ice blue skin making me turn red. I don't care how she died. I like the smell formaldehyde. Fiddle with dead. Oy, oy, oy. Yikes. Quite a poem. Yikes. Yikes. Matt starts seeing both a priest and a psychiatrist once a week. I mean, not the worst idea, given also what he's going through and everything with cancer. And yes. now he's 
living in a morgue and mm-hmm. you know. now here comes a smorgasbord here comes uh a you pick two here comes a uh one of those things you get at tgi fridays that has all the appetizers on it oh, okay at a, uh, a, a poop, well a poo-poo platter a at, poo-poo platter of at ghostly Chinese stuff. place yes yeah. um all the kids start reporting things like this they see a gentleman in a jacket who has no eyes <laughs> Ugh. They see orbs that can fly through the walls and ceilings. Sometimes those orbs, while they're flying around, all of a sudden turn into the shapes of humans. There's a shadow person who plays games and wants to peek at you. There is a little boy ghost who is in Superman pajamas who flies around the room. Oh, my God. He seemingly primarily- That sounds like a dream. Yes, it does. You know? I mean, you could say that about- stuff I about say, you could say that about just about anything, but still. He seems primarily focused on the little kids. He wants to play with them. He would, like, hide their stuffed animals and stuff like that. Um, at one point, they saw several men standing around a little robot toy, uh-huh. and then they pick it up and throw it against the wall, the ghosts do. Oh. And even their father was like, why is this toy broken? So that part was, you know, supposedly verified that. Yeah. Right. Happened. Somebody else was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then here's something weird. They start to interview the kids, their friends. Mm-hmm. The kids. The kids. The kids. They start to interview the friends of the kids who are experiencing all this stuff. Yeah. And what they report now as adults is just typical little kid stuff. Yeah, we'd hang out there all the time. Yeah, we'd go, you know, like rollerblading in the driveway. You know, nobody really talked about any of this stuff. Yeah. Some of them didn't even know that this house had been a funeral home because nobody in the family really talked yeah, about it. Yeah, brought it up. They say, hold on to that because okay. that's all going to come back. The fact that their friends didn't really know. Interesting. Uh, so all the kids are scared of this house. Mm-hmm. They all see, you know, people that don't have eyeballs and yeah. <laughs> things like that. So they're freaked out. Understandably. So, being little kids, and granted, there's like six kids living in this house. Yeah. They all sleep with the lights on. They all sleep with the lights on. Mm-hmm. What happens when you do that? The yeah. electrical bill goes away. Sure. Up. Papa's not happy. Their dad realizes that they're paying an arm and a leg for electricity. His solution? remove all the light bulbs. Oh, I mean, that's one way to do it, certainly. Nobody is safe now. Yeah. So. Is the dad in this documentary? Like, do they ask him what up with the light bulbs? Okay. No, I, I, quite frankly, I think I, I got, I got kind of mixed vibes off of his, um, they say at one point that he didn't believe in any of this. Okay. And uh, the fact that he's not in the documentary, I don't mm-hmm. know. It just didn't seem like he was really there. Participating in this yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't oh, swear Oh, wasn't that. really home, maybe? Yeah. Gotcha. I think so. Mm-hmm. Granted, they moved, like, far away, and I think he still had the job back yeah. home, so I, I don't know what the deal was there. Yeah. Um, but one of the kids, now that there are no light bulbs, reports, he remembers one evening seeing one of his sisters going downstairs, mm-hmm. and she walks up to the light switches and just starts flipping them on and off. On and off, on and off, on and off. And the lights don't come on. There are no light bulbs. It's dark down here. Lights yeah, right. on and off, on and off. He calls out to her, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then goes to tell their mom, like, you know, she's down there, like, flipping all the light switches. And the mom says, no, 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 no. She's Little in Susie's bed. Susie's up here with me. Yes. Uh, he was not seeing his sister. He, uh, no one knows what he was seeing. Oh, boy. So here we go. Here's where the fourth wall gets broken. Okay. So Carmen... Mm-hmm. The mother 
is doing, you know, the she's speaking to the documentarians and she's explaining how the hauntings started to rise out of the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're no longer confined to the morgue downstairs uh, because they had crucifixes that were hung in the door jams upstairs. Mm-hmm. Inexplicably, they start disappearing. Oh, I thought they were going to turn upside down. I'm surprised. No, a little bit of a twist on a classic haunting horror trope. Right. But so they're showing these old photographs. They It's kind of cool because you get to see photographs of the time yeah. where she is pointing to where the crucifixes used to be and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then bam. Jeez, that scared me. I was planning to. I was hoping to scare you. Oh, my God. But it scared me, too. Because as Carmen is telling this story, there was a slamming sound off camera. Oh. A crucifix just fell off the wall where the documentarians are doing their work. Ooh. Carmen immediately starts laughing, like out of surprise. Yeah, yeah. Because she was talking that something fell down near her. So she starts laughing. She goes, that scared the hell out of me. They're in a different house, right? They're not in like the Snedeker house when they're doing this? You know, I don't know. But Mm. there are also reports that happen later on that- Yeah. No longer was it, um, if you left the house, the haunting still wasn't done with you. Like one of the daughters explains at one point that she would go to the movie theater with her friends and people would be getting like poked and pinched and slapped and whatever. And nobody would know what was going on. Like normies Uh would know what was going on, but she knew. It was a ghost that kind of followed her as an attachment. Yeah. So is the ghost still following Carmen Snedeker? Right. And maybe does it get more power because of people talking about it? Yeah, sure. So- the crucifix falls off the wall while they're talking about crucifixes disappearing from the door jams. Uh-huh. She starts laughing. Now the documentarians start going like, are you okay? Are you you hear their voices and on the screen is text that says like a crucifix just fell, fell off the wall. Yeah. Then they say the room started to feel really cold for us. We started to get really uncomfortable in the room. Yeah. It's the only time. It doesn't that happen they again. Interject. Yes. Well, I feel like we should we cuz neither of us have a crucifix hanging in our home. We don't have an opportunity for a crucifix to either turn upside down nor fall off the wall. I don't want to talk about it, but I also don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't really either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I just have no interest. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, uh, I love the idea that that wall is broken. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fast. I rewound that part like four times. Yeah. Now, granted, it does happen off camera. Uh-huh. They say it's a crucifix that fell off the wall. I have no way of verifying yeah, that. Yeah, sure. You know, maybe somebody knocked into something and, right. you know, knocked over, I don't know, who cares, a painting off Right, the wall. and used it. Yes, mm. yeah, and used it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm not going to swear to that as law just because I saw it in this documentary. Of course. But it was fun. Absolutely. Was and if we're taking this, walking into and watching these things with an open mind and assuming what they're saying is real, then... Let's assume that's real, too. Absolutely. Yes. I'm here to participate. Yep. I will continue to be a participant. Mm -hmm. Um, So now, back to the recollections of what happened to the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Carmen starts to explain that they had Matt hospitalized. Um, He was put into an insane asylum Mm. for everything that he was going through and experiencing. And obviously, he was dealing with a lot and life was really hard for him. Mm -hmm. As they were having him committed, he begins panicking, saying to his mother... Now they're going to come after you. Uh, like he was kind of like fending them off at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here we go. That's horrible to hear on top of having to, you know, have your son go somewhere, which yes. is stressful on its own. To hear that adds like a layer. A thousand percent. You know what I mean? Ugh. Yes. Now it's going to be my problem. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Right. And even if 
even if that's not true, it's sad that he thinks exactly. That. That's either way, it's scary. It's like just not only misery. Either you're like, oh God, is there something for me to worry about? Or you're like, not only is he suffering in his own way, now he's worried about me on right. top of whatever's going on with him because he's away from us. It's just like a not great brew. And even if you're um, a total cynic, even if you consider yourself a logical person, it would be hard not to ruminate on that thought. Of course. Yourself being like, now it's going to come after me? Yeah, what the hell does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. And quite frankly, a lot of mental illness can be hereditary. Yeah. So even if you don't believe in ghosts and stuff, because mm-hmm. I don't think that I do, mm-hmm. now it's going to come after you. It could also You could play on that as like, well, yeah, this might also be something that I deal with. Mm-hmm. Everything's a spectrum. Yeah. Maybe I deal with things like this in smaller doses than what my son does, but like, I don't know. It just it gives you that sort of it can turn it into navel gazing, but um, self evaluation. Mm-hmm. What am I going through? What am I experiencing? And it's really scary. It'd be hard to ignore the idea that of like, what if it does get worse for me? Yeah, totally. So here's another uh, sampler. We ate the first one. Mm-hmm. We order another one. Okay. And here it is. I'm hungry. Now the kids are still experiencing stuff. That's a stupid sentence. Now, uh, well, they're whatever. Still experiencing stuff. One of the sons uh, relates that he saw just a head flying around his room. It has a scar going down the middle of its face. One half of the face is completely smooth. Uh-huh. Uh, and it would just fly around his room. <laughs> like a balloon head. losing air? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. He drew a picture of it, too. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. You can see in the documentary. Again, like pencil on paper. Yeah, yeah. His drawing of this face. Um they start to like reach out to like the like priests and the mm-hmm. church and stuff. And at a certain point, somebody from the church advises to them that they should start wearing rosaries yeah. around their necks. And the rosaries begin to like float off their chests and stuff. And Carmen at one point Ooh. shows one of the rosaries that she used to wear. Yeah. Back then. And then here she is. <laughs> I wasn't expecting her, but in oh. comes in comes one of our heroes. Yep, this of, I know. One of God of the Unknown's like recurring characters. Yes, one of our patron saints. Lorraine Warren. Yep. Ed and Lorraine Warren suddenly join. Coming the down fight. the pike. Carmen Snedeker was telling the story about all the haunting stuff to a friend who had some sort of a pamphlet or a headline about the Warrens. Mm-hmm. And so Carmen figured, let's reach out. We need help. Yeah. And uh, here's a quote from Lorraine Warren from this documentary. She's in it. Sweet. Giving her side of the story a bit. You knew you were in a home where haunting phenomenon was very prevalent. She says she could just feel it. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, during all of this, Carmen and her husband are both attacked by the shower curtain. Oh. It wraps around them. And the way that they presented in the documentary, it almost looks like being like wrapped up in bat wings. Uh-huh. Like you're just completely encased in this like thin membrane. Yes. Uh and eventually they're able to escape from it, but it's like, oh my God, is this like trying to choke me, suffocate yeah, me? Yeah, totally. Completely claustrophobic and scary. Yeah. And now guess what? They are coming after her. Carmen starts to experience what they s- referred to as psychic attacks. Mm. Suddenly she would hit the floor uh, and she says today, well, in 2009 during yeah. the documentary, she says there was uh, only darkness. There was no light. Mm. She says that uh, during these events where she'd be on the floor, she would in her head be encountering a number of different beings that were all, quote, suffering from negative emotions. And this is coupled with another drawing, pencil on paper, of like silhouettes 
of shoulders and heads. Uh-huh. Almost Ooh. like hunched over shadow beings. Yeah. Uh, and inevitably, Carmen would find herself woken up, lying on the floor of the kitchen, like with with holy water all over her head, and everybody standing around her. Oh, God. That was how they'd bring her out of it. <clears throat> uh, so the Warrens are there. Yeah. The Warrens, of course, go with their entourage. Sure. And one of the people that worked with the Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, is there uh, in the night and tells this story. It suddenly got very cold in the house and he started to smell something really horrible. He looks up the staircase to see the shape of a human being begin to form out of the air and come down the stairs towards him saying, do you know what they did to us? Oh, and it dissipates. Enter a theory that is so strange. Uh huh. I never could have, predicted it okay the hallahan funeral home mm-hmm. i think um there are a lot of people that lived in that community w- that remember when that funeral home was operational and they remember seeing the 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 trucks and the ambulances pull up to give them the bodies they remember there being viewings there and everything mm-hmm. it was just a funeral home but now a theory is being posited that the people who worked at the hallahan funeral home were doing things to the bodies mm-hmm. and that the lingering spirits were witnessing things being done to their dead bodies, which then obviously, I say obviously like anybody's <laughs> experienced that before. Sure, we've all been there. But would turn them uh-huh. into, you know, malevolent yeah. spirits. How dare you? Do you know what they did to us? This is an accusation that mm-hmm. has no answer. It is simply posited. Is there any evidence for it? Like Not anecdotal or otherwise? Not that I saw. So it's just kind of just completely pulled out of thin air? Yeah. Like it's Except a funeral the, home, well, so maybe this is the deal? But something that <laughs> descended at this man out of thin air made the claim, essentially. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Listen, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. There are... What did, what did the ghost say? Do you know what they did to us? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's the most logical, you know, conclusion, I guess. Unless they're given, referring to people that, that, like, killed In them life, or otherwise. Something. Right, yeah. But right. this funeral home would be going around turning people into dead bodies? Yeah, Maybe, right. I guess, to get business booming. But I'm not going to make an accusation that the people were murdering folks yeah. for their own business, of course. Right. I would never say that. Right. We'll just say that they did other stuff, I just guess. Just say that they did other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Huh, okay. But it's 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 weird. And yeah. to get a, a sort of like, um, that's a ghost reporting something in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's you know? true. That's odd. Yeah. Um, to say the least, it's odd. Yes. And I, I you know, not to, I don't know if we can take that ghost to the bank. Right. You know what I mean? We, yeah, we got, I know. We got no other... <laughs> yes. Not that I saw. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, I did a little poking around, uh-huh. but uh, not that I saw. Okay. I don't know. Um, so the news starts to cover the story. Mm-hmm. There's a news report uh, that, you know, shows Carmen on TV. They they talk about what they've experienced in the house a little bit. Yeah. In the aftermath of having a news report about your family experiencing ghosty stuff is something that we um, uh, should not be surprised by. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the Snedekers are outcasts. Yeah. Instantly, 
Um, the kids are not allowed to play with their friends anymore because their friends' parents are like, stay away from those kids. They're weird. Or the kids themselves are like, you're from that crazy family. We saw you on TV. Your mom is nuts. I guess you're right. What I thought you were going to say, though, is that people started going to the house a lot. Like, Uh, I had the opposite. Well, that also does happen. I would have the opposite assumption. Like, you know, I'm not a saint or anything, but I think I would see that on TV and be like, are you guys okay? (laughs) Yeah. Like, not necessarily like, you're weird. I cast you out. Well, but I'm sure that that happens. It's a mix of column A and mix of column yeah. B. There's a moment where one of the daughters says that uh, she brought a boy over to the house. Or no, there was like a crush of hers that just showed up at the house uh-huh. and wanted to like see about the place. So they took him to the basement yeah. and let him sit like where the bodies were and oh stuff. God. And he ran away and never came back. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the news report also pointed out that there were like tables that used to hold dead bodies for mm-hmm. the funeral business that now hold like laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's crazy, you know, to live in a funeral home. Totally. It's not, not an operational funeral home. Right, right. Sidebar, if you ever read the Allison Bechdel book, Fun Home, mm-hmm. it's about a family that grows up in a funeral home that yeah. is operational and is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but so now people are saying like, oh, this Snedeker's, uh, we're trying to get famous somehow. Oh, right. they were trying to get attention and money. Here's what Carmen Snedeker had to say about that theory in the 2009 documentary. Somebody that would deliberately put their family at risk for any kind of financial gain. They're a waste of flesh. Hmm. And I, Strong I, words. I agree. Yeah. You know, I love all the stuff that we talk about on this show. We've talked about the Watcher House yeah. here in New Jersey. We've talked about all these places where having a reputation for a haunting can be a great form of marketing. Mm-hmm. But this is your life. Yeah, this is absolutely. your kid's life. Yeah. And I, I really am fascinated by somebody who claims to have lived in a haunted house and has vitriol mm-hmm. about the idea that it could be for monetary gain. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's inter- So it's interesting, but then the devil's advocate thing could be that it's defensiveness. Of course. You know it it could be a way to hide in plain sight yeah. again. Yeah. For sure. But mm-hmm. it, it's a fascinating concept nonetheless. Yes. Whether or not it's real, right. what she says and means, or if she's trying to deflect, yeah. the argument is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, To be it's... like, I live in a haunted house, let me tell you my story, and I hate people who do this kind of thing and make yeah. it up. Yeah. is interesting. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I'm not like them. Yeah, I'm not like those, those, right. those insane opportunistic crazies. Right. But let me tell you about the ghost that Yeah, I live it's a with. little, you know, like, if we should give you the benefit of the doubt, shouldn't we give them right. the benefit of the doubt? Sure. You know? Yeah, but I guess, you know, I don't I know. see what you're saying. It's not that deep, but just, you know. Yeah. It's a little throwing stonesy. Of unless course. you have proof that they made it, somebody else made it up or whatever. I guess that's true. Yeah. That's a fair point. So uh, some of the naysayers are mm-hmm. brought up in the documentary. They they bring up the other angle that people might have. Mm, haters. 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 With a Z. Yeah. Um, and an eight. What? <laughs> Yes. I understand. We all know haters with an eight and a Z. We don't like them. No. So. (laughs) They're drinking haterade. Haters with a Z8? Yeah. Pass me that V8, baby. That's what I was about to say. I'll take a V8. Not the Z8. Yeah. Drop the hate. (laughs) Eat a grape. (laughs) Anyway, snap into a grape. (laughs) today so here's what some of the naysayers say those childhood friends that recall you know rollerblading in the driveway mm-hmm. one of them goes you know it was a little weird no <laughs> one ghost showed up yeah he's like you know no one really talked about that house being haunted until all of a sudden it was on the news and it was just a haunted house 
He's like, isn't that weird? I was there all the time. No one really cared. No one really uh, talked about any of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, they've been terrorized by this thing for months? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. So that was an, an interesting, interesting observation. Boots on the ground, yeah. first hand account, kind of like, I don't believe in this kind of thing. Right. And then there's a reporter who pops up for like two seconds, some guy who goes like, yeah, I went there. I went to that house. Of course, I didn't experience anything there. And I was told that uh, I probably didn't experience anything there because I'm a reporter. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> interesting. The ghosts are like, we don't want press. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're trying to keep a low profile. We don't want press. We just want to spook the family. Right. This guy beat shill everybody. But I guess it is that idea. I mean, depending depending on what they meant by him being a reporter, that if you're skeptical, like you're not going to be able to... They're, they're, you're not as susceptible to seeing these things because you have a wall up or whatever, yeah, you right. know? So yeah, could that be. could be kind of true. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, so another part of the uh, aftermath of this story, a book is written about these events uh, by a man named Ray Garten. The book is called In a Dark Place, The Story of a True Haunting. Carmen does not like this book. Oh. The book posits that her family was a mess he says that the family was crazy. He suggests that Matt was a drug user. Um, Carmen says that she barely ever talked to this guy. She uh -huh. like met him once and talked to him on the phone like five times or something like that. And then he just kind of ran with this story. Uh, and Lorraine Warren was against it. Everybody was against it. But the fact of the matter was Car uh, Carmen had made some sort of a deal with this guy. Sure, you can use my story. Yeah. And so he was allowed to publish it. Yeah. Uh, they interview a couple librarians from the town who say that they have the book, but they don't allow anybody to check it out. <laughs> That's funny. If you want to read it, you have to read it there because it's a rare book and it's not being published anymore. And <laughs> That's awesome. It was such a teeny tiny yeah, I like that detail. edition, but it like really painted a quaint picture to the town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ray Garten, for what it's worth, declined to be involved in this documentary. Mm. And so... Um, that sort of is uh, where it ends. Okay. The Warrens did an exorcism. Yeah. The house was cleaned. Mm, that house is clean. Matt would end up uh, getting uh, better. He okay. grew up. He had kids. Um, everybody seemed to finally be okay yeah. post-exorcism. Um, but the story did have some notoriety, um, so much so that, of course, they would make a movie of it. Yes, they would. 2009's The Haunting in Connecticut, which is extremely different from what you just told me. Is that right? Yes. Oh, good. Like, totally different. Excellent. So that's that's good. We got some stuff to talk about. Then. Can't wait. Um, there are some elements that are in there that you said, but like the plot and the reason <laughs> and like everything is different, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I first want to start with a poem. Oh, yes, please. I wonder if this was a deliberate move on their part to tie in the fact that Matt had written a poem. It's not the same poem, but a poem keeps coming up in the movie here and there. It almost reminded me, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I think it's an it that like a little piece of a poem keeps yes. coming up yeah, or yes, something. Yes. Your hair is winter fire. Yeah. January. I think embers. that's what I'm thinking of. My heart burns there, too. Yeah, I guess that is what I'm thinking of. I was thinking there was something else too, but for these purposes, let's say, it, say it's that. So I just did a quick Goog and I found, I think they just used part of this poem and I found this on um, Pinterest. It says, Two Dead Boys poem from a haunting in Connecticut, a mix from the original Two Dead Boys by Tyler Ray Rager Rager. Huh. Um, so I guess like maybe they 
I'm not sure that that means that there is an existing poem called Two Dead Boys by Tyler Rager that this person remixed or if this person's name is Tyler Rager, but whatever. I'll read you the part that I know is said in the movie. Some of it I don't think. This is the remix edition. <laughs> of a scary poem. Okay. Um, one bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, drew their swords, and shot each other. One was blind and the other couldn't see, so they chose a dummy for a referee. A blind man went to see fair play. Okay, this part's on the movie. A dumb man went to shout hooray. Uh, yeah, this isn't in there either. <laughs> wow, a dumb man shouted and a blind man saw? Hey, what if a tall man was short? Okay, I think it goes like this. I'm going to leave out these two middle parts of the poem. I think it's this. I'm going to start again. One bright day in the middle of the night, two dead boys got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, drew their swords, and shot each other. A deaf policeman, he heard the noise and came and killed those two dead boys. If you don't believe this story is true, ask the blind man. He saw it, too. Wow, what so if a slow person was fast? <laughs> Exactly. Oh boy, that fast guy was really slow. Exactly. So he, so Matt is talking to his cousin who lives with them, and he's like explaining that the house is haunted or something. And so he's like, "Remember that poem that we would say when we were kids?" And it's that. It doesn't really have anything to do anything with anything. Okay. So this movie is okay. I thought it was going to really suck because, like I said, I had it mixed up with the exorcism exorcism of emily rose which i really associate with that like herky jerky yeah. kind of style that was like very hot in jittery the body movements like moving fast toward the camera yeah. i thought it was that for some reason it's not it's okay it's not great i wouldn't say go watch it but i also wouldn't say avoid it at all costs it's like it's it's fine it was okay it reminded me a lot of The Conjuring. Oh, sure. To the point that I thought that maybe it was kind of a ripoff of The Conjuring, but it actually came out four years before The Conjuring. Yes. And it made me wonder, um, are Ed and Lorraine Warren in it? No, not at all. Okay, because I thought maybe there was a possibility since The Conjuring franchise would not mm -hmm. have started yet. Right. There are aspects. I One of the things that I left out is that the family started to sleep in the living room together on mm -hmm. mattresses on the floor, mm -hmm. which is something that the family in the Enfield haunting did in the movie yeah. The Conjuring 2. I almost thought that maybe it was a lift from this, because I don't remember if they said they did that in real life. I would say, or maybe Lorraine and Ed Warren have said to people, like, stay all together. Maybe you should convene oh, yeah. in the living room. You know right. what I mean? Because they're involved in both cases. Yeah, I don't know. But I thought maybe there was uh, this case could be a conjuring movie. Like, yeah, why not remake this case mm -hmm. and put it in that franchise almost? I know. I almost wonder if they will at some point, because I feel like this yeah. flies very under the radar, this movie. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like it's talked about a lot. And you know who supports me, who I'll talk about later? Seth Meyers. Seth Myers. Don't worry, I'll get there. How did he get involved in all this then? Seth Myers and Jennifer Lawrence. Who knew? Oh, I thought you I sent that to me by mistake. No. Kristen what? sent me like her sources because we always post our sources online. No. Mm -mm. I, I saw that this, the thumbnail of it was Jennifer Lawrence and Seth Myers. I was like, oh, she was watching this and accidentally copied that. Nope. They talk about the haunting in Connecticut. What? In a clip from 2017. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, they, there's no reason to hold off. It's not like a you know huge reveal or anything. But so when I was looking at the IMDb <laughs> trivia for this, did she go on late night with Seth Meyers to promote a haunting in Connecticut? <laughs> no, to promote Mother. You know, I don't movie. have anything coming out, but I really loved this one movie, Seth. Let me tell you guys about this. No, so in the trivia on IMDb for the haunting in Connecticut, it says Jennifer Lawrence's favorite horror movie, and I was like, what? <laughs> when did she say that? Where did that come up? So I googled Jennifer Lawrence haunting in Connecticut, and this Seth Meyers clip came up that I watched, and it was her promoting Mother in 2017, and he says to her, "Now this is kind of a horror movie, or you're saying you guys are calling it a horror movie," and she was like, "I think that we're kind of saying that to prepare people because it's dark. It's not really a horror movie per se, but you know, at least let's get them." In the mindset right. or whatever. And he says, do you like horror movies? And she's like, no, I don't like them at all. I saw The Haunting in Connecticut and I was scared for three years. And he was like, The Haunting in Connecticut? Like, that doesn't really show up on a lot of people's, like, scariest movies list. It's like a weird thing to be afraid of. It's very weird. So and it, it's so strange that they prepared this as a bit. Like, it is funny. But I was like, this is so weird. Like, The Haunting in Connecticut came out in 2009. It's 2017. He pulls out a poster of The Haunting in Connecticut. Like, when they have something to show on these shows, it's on, like, a black, stiff piece of poster board or whatever. And he's <laughs> he pulls it out and um, to show her and for her to, like, riff on it. And it the poster has that kid with the ectoplasm coming out of his mouth. And he's like, now what's this? And she's, like, laughing. And, she's, and she says, and I quote, and she's laughing during this. Her delivery is me better than mine. When spirits harden and you're being possessed, they come out of your mouth like a root. Because it's like all this crap coming in his mouth. And then he joke Seth Meyers jokes about the fact that the poster says based on true events. And he said, and she's like, that's what gets me, that it's based on true events. It freaks me out. And he said he saw that up top that said based on true events. And then when he looked at the picture, he was like, no, it's effing not. They bleep it and everybody like cracks up. And he says, Yeah, it's based on one of those fake peanut cans where the snake comes out. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> Based on that fake peanut can. Yeah. That's like when they made the Ouija board movie. Uh-huh. Based on the toy. Right. A Haunting in Connecticut is based on that peanut can. Yeah. Everybody raced out to see it. Or a muttered can. And then, or a muttered can. And uh, then they moved on to talking about her going to a bar in Budapest. They left it. But that's... <laughs> okay. That's out there, and it's in our show notes if you would like to observe I, it for I yourself. I can't believe that they would have been Isn't ready to tell so that story weird? with a poster on hand. Me too. I thought it was funny enough that they were talking about it for as long as they were. Yeah. I would think that she would just be like, yeah, I saw a haunting in Connecticut. And he'd be like, what? And they'd move on. But to pull up the poster... That is so strange. Like, it's the headlines thing with Jay Leno. Right. You know what I mean? It was very weird um so the movie that scared jennifer lawrence goes a little something like this i'm gonna spoil the haunting connecticut top to bottom so if you want to watch it you might want to dip out now i'm just gonna tell you all about the movie basically perfect Perfect. um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dwell on the minutiae of everything but i just wanted to mention that the credits are in papyrus font it's undeniable it's absolute papyrus Kristen, so are the credits for the documentary i watched they were definitely okay. made in conjunction. I think that the documentary I watched is like bonus material for that movie. Okay. And Maybe. here's the other thing that makes that make sense. It's very strange. It starts out in faux documentary style. They sit down Virginia Madsen. They're like getting ready for an interview. They have a clapboard. 
And then it's as though she's telling the story, but then we go into the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm trying to think, do they even revisit her with the clapboard? I don't think so. It's, so it's, it's weird. It's a framing device that doesn't frame it. No, it just begins it. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. I could be wrong, but I don't think that they do. I don't think so. She might do a voiceover at the end. So then you're like, okay, this is back to the you know, beginning documentary and thing. And as I but... said, gentlemen, that was one spooky summer in <laughs> Connecticut. And then it but goes I, right to credits. I don't think you see her again sitting and being like, was that good? Or anything, and then getting up, you know? Very... Well, I went to George W. Bush for that. It was <laughs> yeah. the spookiest night in the White House I ever had. Yeah, good Virginia Madsen. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yes, you do. I For some reason, when I was watching this, I was like, I feel like I've mentioned Virginia Madsen on the show multiple times. She's a lady in the number 23. Oh. Brother of Michael Madsen from Tarantino movies. She's his brother? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. And she was friends with Top Secrets then. Correct. Okay. So I she's got it. mixed up in all kinds of stuff, all this lady. Stuff. Okay. So it's faux documentary style. And the beginning is the same sort of deal. So the family lives in, I guess, her mom. Maybe they say that. And she's bringing Matt to these. Um, it's it's a clinical trial in the movie in Connecticut. Okay. Um, so driving him there back and forth. And it's not sustainable. So she ends up renting a house. And it does seem like the husband is going to keep his job and keep the house in Vermont and come to visit and everything with some of the other kids. Um, in the movie, I guess he just goes back and forth and the kids stay once he brings them. In the movie, there's Matt, a younger brother, a younger sister, and then his cousin, who's about his age, live in the house with them with matt and his mom it's gotta be hard to be some of the kids that didn't make it into the movie i know yeah you saying there were like six kids it's gotta like, be tough not yeah. in this <laughs> and there's a cousin who i don't know if he's involved in anything but i assume they just wanted like an attractive youngish girl in the movie well they did they did have like her nieces were staying there oh, okay all right so that a is a bunch real. of people in that house yeah okay that makes sense then um something that happens in the movie that you mentioned is that Matt sees her mopping the floor and he pictures it as blood. Oh, she doesn't picture it as blood. So a device in the movie that I don't I'm sure it factored in a little bit in real life um, was that the clinical trial that he was taking, there were some um, possible side effects of auditory and visual hallucinations and if he oh. reported those side effects then he was going to be left booted from the trial because it's damaging something's going on that's not supposed to be going on if that's the case then so he's seeing stuff happen in the house and not knowing he's probably not thinking at first that it's haunted he's thinking that he's having these hallucinations as a side effect of his cancer treatment that's that's kind of honestly that's a pretty great conflict yes that's i a agree great it's a really really interesting idea i yeah. think so um yeah yeah, that's what I wrote. Um, it's it's a crazy idea. Um, and he's having all these visions. So he has a dream or a vision of a guy carving words into a young boy on a table. I should also say, when they move into the house, the mom, you find out later, she knows that it's a funeral home, but she doesn't tell the dad and she doesn't tell the family or anything that this is the case. She's just like, they don't need to know this. Matt makes his room in the basement because he likes it. And in the, like, and I wrote, like, this is some extremely Will stuff. Like, you would love having, like, a room in the basement. I love a basement. But for him, he also, the mom is, like, not into it. She's like, why would you be in the basement, honey? Like, this is weird. And he's like, there's a private bathroom down there. And he's throwing, they've, they've established that he's throwing up a lot um, from treatments and that he doesn't like to make a oh, thing of okay. it. So he says, there's a bathroom down here. And, like, I don't want everybody hearing me. And so that kind of cracks her. And she's like, okay, you know, fine. But there is a wall of um, like blurred out, dirty glass 
windows, for lack of a better term, that seem to be blocking off either a big closet or maybe an additional room or something. They can't see anything through it. I know what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. it, I almost pictured it in a weird way. It made me think of old schools for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old schools with window panes in the doors. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, they're, they're so dirty and covered. There's a whole part of the room that you yes. can't even f- see the, through the windows to. Yeah, it's exactly and like And the doors that. are locked, right? They yep. can't get through them. So there's a whole section of the basement that's that's locked behind doors yeah exactly so they peer through and everything they can't see what's back there and they decide to just kind of like leave it or whatever and matt puts his bed like right up next to them so he has a dream one night about a kid um lying on a table he doesn't know that there's a morgue back there yet or anything and somebody like a, a grown man like slicing words into the kid like a dead kid but slicing words into the kid and um there's a disgusting part where they use uh you, you wouldn't call it a scalpel I can't remember what the name of it is, but like a like a big medical tweezer kind of thing yes. that's more flat sure. to peel back the eyelid ah. and then slice his eye. No. Now, I don't know if they showed the eye slicing part because I was putting my hands in front of my eyes. Once oh. they did the, the pe- eyelid peel back, I was like, Bleh. yeah. Um, so they eventually get that room open and they find out that it's a morgue. And I think it looks very good in the movie. It looks really creepy. I wrote, and I don't even know how to describe it because, like, what would way over the top be? I said they make it creepy but not way over the top and that it feels realistic, which is worse. That's scarier sure. than if, like, I don't know, there are bodies just lying there or something. It feels like a closed-up room well, there's that a way, happens to be used as a morgue. Right. There is a way to do heightened reality where you could even have a sheet that has a, a, a dark yeah, red yeah. stain on it or a dark brown stain on it. Yeah. There's nothing like right. that. It's just kind of there are bottles that are closed up and everything. It looks clean enough like it's not like you just walked into a room that somebody was in the middle of doing something it looks like somebody closed up shop and closed the room basically which is creepier to me yes so it's really affecting matt um he tells his brother to get on the morgue table and then he spins him and he spins him and spins like crazy where the matt the brother's like stop matt stop or whatever happened in real life oh really yeah So that was that was scary. He's especially bullish to the little brother in the movie. Uh. Um, so it seems like maybe there's like a little it's a little confusing, I thought, like a little bit of a possession aspect, but never goes all the way. It's a little weird and nebulous what's going on with Matt as far as that goes. I mean, as far as something taking him over potentially or something. Right. Um, so then one night at the table, their dad is there and everything, and they join hands to say grace, and it kicks Matt into a vision of seeing an old-timey seance with people around the table holding hands the way they're holding hands with his family, so it kind of triggered him, with adults and a kid that they call Jonah. Um, and so he kind of sees that, doesn't know what the deal is, whatever. Then he's at, things get kind of like interesting, they move beyond the house, so similar to you talking about the daughter going to the movies and stuff happening there. He's going to the hospital for treatments, and he has a hallucination at the hospital. So that's the first time that it's not house-specific with him being there. Mm. And it starts to make you like, huh, what's the deal? Is it is it him just in his mind? Because he's at the hospital, and he sees crabs crawling up him. Has nothing crabs. to do with anything. So I think... I think the intention is to make you wonder, oh, is this kid just hallucinating because right. of this side effect or is it a house thing? Like, who knows? Um, he meets a guy there who's also going through treatment whose name is Reverend Nicholas Popescu. Popescu. They never say his last name, but he gives him a card. He's like, I think that Matt talks is to him. Is this my card? <laughs> 
That's a great line if you give someone your business card. Is this my card? Or is this my card? They're um, all my card. <laughs> I'll give you a bunch because nobody wants them. I ordered too many. Is this my card? Is that my card? Poop-a-scoop. <laughs> That's my name. Poop-a-scoop. Take your card. Is that my card? I got to say, oh, you weren't there for this. This is a little sad. Uh, no, you know, forget it. Forget it. Um, you sure you don't want to share something a little sad on this fun show? Yeah, forget it. No, it's sad. <laughs> um, anyway... So I think he's talking to the priest and he, he somehow reveals he's having these visions like I'm having a hard time like I'm seeing things or whatever like dude dude to dude who's going through this. Yeah. And the and the priest is like don't tell them that they won't understand. Which seems like questionable advice because like maybe this is a problem and he shouldn't be getting this treatment right. or something, Correct. you know. Tell somebody. If you're right. experiencing something yeah, and you're concerned about it Tell somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I thought you were going to say that he tells the priest, he's like, I'm seeing things that I don't even know if they're real, and I don't know what to do. What should I do? And the priest goes, I don't know. I'm not really here. And yeah. then disappears into smoke. <laughs> How should That's I know what, what you... to do? I'm not real. <laughs> I'm also a hallucination. Bye-bye. Oh. In a different movie. Yeah. Um. So he's like, well, if you ever want to talk, you can call me. Gives him his card that says Reverend Pope Askew. So I think it's kind of funny. His name is Reverend Pope. Oh, yeah. You know? Popozao. Yeah, Popozao. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that is kind of strange. Reverend Popescu. Hi, I'm Dr. Doctor. Yeah, kind of strange. Hi, right? I'm Dr. Medicine. Yeah. Just notable, I thought. Not a huge deal. Yeah. Um, there are lots of typical little scare things. I didn't find it a We talked about that. I mean, hardly anything like scares me. You know what I mean? But there's lots of typical horror movie scares, especially for that time. Yeah. So, you know. Somebody moves a door that has a mirror and somebody's in the mirror. Um, the little kids are creepy. It seems like maybe they're talking to ghosts. Right. Things that you would expect in, you know, a pretty typical horror movie. Conventional horror haunted yeah. house fair. Exactly. Um, so the dad leaves to go back to work for a while. So then it's just the mom and the kids and everything. And the kids play hide and, t- hide and seek a couple of times in a creepy way, which reminded me of the conjuring in that game they play. The clap game. Yes. It's just very weird. And I Googled the haunting in Connecticut, the conjuring to see if anybody else had made these, drawn these parallels. And yeah. I didn't go super deep Google- Googling, but I didn't see anything. There, I, there mostly... still could be inspiration taken from it. Oh, total. I mean, I'm not looking to gotcha anybody, but right. I'm just surprised nobody was like, is The Conjuring like a little bit of a ripoff of The Haunting in Connecticut? Because right. it has that same like dull kind of filter over everything. They play the clapping game, the house kind, or I mean, they play hide and seek, but it's like the clapping game. The house even kind of looks to me like the house in The Conjuring, the first Conjuring. Right. I don't know. I, like I said, I didn't go super deep when I was looking at that because I just noticed that most of the results were for the true stories behind horror movies and war and stuff. So it's like, I'm not going to find what I'm looking for. You know what I would just love? Interesting. Maybe this already exists, but I had this thought and it would be perfect for exactly this situation. Mm-hmm. I would love it if you could take two movies, like on IMDb, if there was a tool where you could say movie A is- Like a comparison tool, like when you're- Venn diagram. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. who are the- Or for when you're shopping for something and there's yeah. an option that's like compare, like for health insurance, like compare these plans. Yes. Compare these movies. Compare a haunting in Connecticut- to The Conjuring, who are the members of the cast and crew that are in common? Mm, because yeah. it'd be fascinating to find that yeah, DNA that would be. and and see, like, maybe, yeah, this is how some of the ideas um, ended up in the other movie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I would love if we could know that. 
So scary things keep happening. He keeps having visions and stuff like that. Um, and he's acting weird, especially to that brother, like I said. Um, he has a vision at one point where there are these bodies with the writing on them, on them surrounding him. And he pushes one away. But it's actually his little brother is next to him who uh. he pushes. So he calls the priest. And the priest says that this stuff is all around, but that we don't see it. And the priest, I have a lot of direct quotes from him. He has some really interesting lines and interesting thoughts. He says that most people experience living or dying, but that he and Matt and other people who are, you know, sick or in their situation, quote, spend quite a lot of time in the borderland. So, like, they're yeah. kind of in this area between, they're living, obviously, but like, you know, time in the living and the dead and that that could be attracting this stuff to him in the house. And it reminded me of something that's in Hellier season two. I don't think I've talked about Hellier on the show, but I've talked about it online and suggested it and stuff. It's a documentary series that's on Amazon Prime. Um, and there's a part in season two where they're talking about the idea of strange phenomenon or phenomena being attracted to liminal spaces or liminal situations. So things that are in between two things. So whether that's a person going through a transitional period in their life or literal, literal physical liminal spaces like train tracks, things like that, that those areas and those people seem to have a higher instance of experiencing supernatural things than people who are settled. That's interesting. Neither I here nor there. I love that idea. Can I, Just like maybe that phenomena or ghost or whatever is. It's kind of neither here nor there. It lives in that liminal space. Right. And maybe it's attracted to other things that are in liminal spaces in whatever way you want to phrase that metaphorical, physical, whatever. I like that. I like that I love theory it. quite a bit. And honestly, one of the first things that comes to mind, I think we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. and it's something that i genuinely want to explore and we certainly have the equipment to do it now mm -hmm. we talked a long time ago about whether or not mostly when you hear people share their stories about having experienced a ghost or something it's like yeah no i saw something out of the corner of my eye and i looked and it was gone like it's, that's like a liminal thing that's what i'm saying like i've always felt maybe ghosts exist in your peripheral vision right. and so when the ghost hunters go to investigate they're all about it. They're focusing. They're trying to focus on the liminal space, yeah. which you can't do. Right. Because the liminal space is it's always liminal. moving. It's, it's yeah. always going to be just out of focus. So one of the yeah. ideas that I had for a show a long time ago was mm -hmm. you and I go to a haunted house and we just do this yeah, show there. Totally. We but just don't have... focus on trying to talk to the spirits. But we pay attention to our peripheral vision. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. Or have things kind of documenting. Uh-huh. We peripheral. see what happens when you're in a space and you are ignoring yeah. what people say goes on in there. I think that's when you would get activity. I love that. I theory. think it's a great the idea. The liminal space. And I love the idea of it being for places that are temporary. And by the mm -hmm. way, the family of the Snedekers are renting. Exactly. As so well. that falls into that category as well. It's it's like liminal on liminal on liminal. Yeah. In this sort you're of not here, you're not there. Yeah. You're exactly. in the middle. I love that spending time in the borderlands. You're right. I love the I love these ideas. These are terrific ideas. It's real. Watch. I know I've told you a million times. Watch Hellier. <sighs> I know. Whatever. But I really recommend it. I really, really am into Hellier. I'll watch Hellraiser. All right. Fair enough. Fair okay. enough. Okay. It's a compromise. Yeah. <laughs> it's a compromise. A liminal state. A liminal state. It's in the middle. Okay. Compromise. So um, I just want to mention there's one scare where Matt is doing sit-ups and he sits up one time and there's a burnt ghost. Have we seen a sit-up ghost before? You know. 
a sit-up ghost. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so either. There's we've a... had sit-up fun in heavyweights. Yes. Oh, tons of sit-up fun there. Lots of fun. But I don't think we've had a sit-up ghost. Ugh. Uh-huh. There is a ghost who jogs and works out in the movie The Frighteners. Oh, my God. That's right. And he's that's jogging right. and taking his pulse, looking at his watch. Oh, he's my God. That's right. Oh, so good. Um, there's a scene where I started to roll my eyes, but I think they kind of undid it where they walk in the house and all the chairs are stacked up in one room where I was like, come on. Yeah. Reference but, though, you know, like, are they reference or is this a thing? And so it seems cliche, but if it happens, it happens. I Cliches guess. are for a reason. Again, if we're saying that this is a real story, maybe, maybe ghosts are constantly stacking up chairs for whatever reason. Right. But then here's the thing. Then we see that Matt is in the corner behind them with bloody fingers and scratches on the wall. So maybe he did it while he was having some sort of breakdown or right. something. Yeah. Um, so another time where it's a little confusing me what's going on as far as possession and stuff. In his sleep, there's a jerky shadow that's like, nah, nah, nah. comes yeah. closer, closer. Not quite like electronic jerky, but just kind of, it moves in a little bit of a scary <laughs> way. Yeah. Not even that bad. I guess it's just worth seeing. It just wasn't like smooth, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, comes over Matt, and then he's all scary and weird and stuff. He gets up, and he's acting like a weirdo. Um, it's the kid from The Bye Bye Man, right? I, don't, I haven't seen The Bye Bye Man. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, Oh, is he gonna come then? Don't think it. Don't say it. I looked him up because he looked so familiar to me. He's in like a million things, yeah. and he was in Veronica Mars. He a looks like Devin Sawa. He looks a lot like Devin Sawa. Or he's a Devin. Yeah, he does look like Devin Sawa. He's a, got a Devin Sawa essence. Um, I like him. I like. I just him said too. essence, like you. Essence. essence. I do not say essence. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what word it is that you have an issue with. You say Renaissance. Yeah, Renaissance. Renaissance. It's the same double S. So why don't you say essence? Essence. Um, so at what do you say you're gonna open your presents on christmas no that's normal my presents presents that's normal um so we finally get an instance of somebody else in the house seeing something because for this whole movie so far it's only been matt seeing and experiencing things it's really just been other people being like matt's being like scary the little brother hears something behind him and i think you see a shadow i don't know if they show him turning around and seeing a shadow but we're seeing the the family getting in the mix now um then they find a box of morning photos under the floor i forgot to mention in the beginning when they moved in they're cleaning up the house because it's kind of all dirty and they're fixing it up virginia madsen opens a cabinet and there are those old victorian morning photos where they would pose a dead person as though they were alive or something to oh, take pictures yeah. and sometimes with the family so it'd be like a dead kid with like his brother with his arm around him pretending they're taking an alive picture so Ugh. we've already seen these at this point in the movie and she threw them in the trash she saw them she knew that the house but we didn't know yet as the audience she knew the house was a funeral home she's creeped out and she threw them in the garbage she threw them away i agree uh, yeah. that they're scary but yeah i know them in the garbage i know it just seems disrespectful in a way by the like, way wasn't life hard enough back then without dressing up your dead loved ones and posing with them and and hugging them but you know what they must have found relief L- life is hard way. now and we yeah. gave that up yeah back then it was even harder and I right mean, come on i know i mean there must have been some incentive i guess they got some you know people do things because they're not because they're upset about them usually unless they're forced to so the kids might have been upset but the parents yeah, do traditions it. are hard to break yes at yes. a certain point, there were people taking pictures with their dead loved ones who were like, yo, we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, and they're true. like, no, this is what we do. True. Hug your dead friends. Hug. So the so the hug. Kids, hug. That's the voice of the photographer. <laughs> yeah. No hug. Hug no. Um, 
<laughs> so the kids now find a box of seance photos and the very people Matt envisioned at the table are in the picture. So he's like, Bleh. yeah. And they find a box of eyelids. Dried eyelids. Ooh. As though he doesn't have enough. Oh, and I know I said, which he doesn't seem freaked enough about because I guess he picks them up and he's like. He was huh. touching him and stuff? Yes! Oh, my God. I know. So um, he and his cousin go to the library, and they read about, they're looking up stuff about the house, and they end up reading about the seances that they had there, um, done by a spiritualist named Aikman in the movie, who held famous seances that people came to all came from all over to experience, like Dan Aykroyd's grandpa, right. basically. Yeah, Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. <laughs> um, are you making a sports joke, Troy Aikman? Yeah. Do you say Troy? Did you say try or did I miss here? Okay. Uh, Now I don't know what I said. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, Then one day, Aikman and the four people who had come to the Sands were found dead. And Jonah, the kid, was missing. Who was like, they'd shown in this kind of flashback, he was like very powerful he kind of helps facilitate the seance so Aikman kind of had him as like a trained monkey to like kick stuff up and he would do the ectoplasm out of his mouth and the whole the whole deal the whole thing the whole thing so um back in the day too they had to dig up graves I think to build a highway or something and they found that the coffins were empty so what did the morgue do with the bodies so in this they're taking what you're saying about maybe them doing do you, you know, know what they did to us? Yeah, exactly. And what they're saying, and I don't think that it's revealed just yet, um, what they're saying is that maybe the seance people or and and like the um the undertaker, the mortician guy, um, was doing stuff to the bodies and writing spells on them to kind of help power up the seances. Now that I'm saying this, maybe the mortician was Aikman. That would make sense. That would make a certain amount of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if they didn't make that explicit or I missed it or something. Like I said, I found this movie a little confusing in some ways. Yeah. Um, So now they call a priest for help. He comes over and he says that he's seen this happen before and that um, Aikman must have been a very powerful medium to have yielded the ectoplasm kind of coming out of the kid. He tells them, because they show him the boxes of stuff, he tells the family, or it's just the kids actually, it's like Matt and his um, cousin, that the eyelids are for necromancy or, and I quote, corpse bothering, which reminds me of what you said that Matt wrote in his poem. Um, What was it? Like fiddle with the bodies? Fiddle with the bodies. Corpse bothering. Corpse bothering. Is that is that literally like if you cut off their eyelids, then they're like sort of sightless eyes? Well, here's the thing. So he says that he thinks that maybe Aikman was, quote, seeking control of the dead via relics of their bodies. And that it's just he's spitballing here. He has just a thought that maybe he cut their eyelids as the reverse of what we usually do for the dead, which is closing their eyes so they can rest in darkness. Maybe he had their eyes forever open so they could be watchmen Ooh. for the seances and everything. And so they guess through kind of a big leap that they use their bodies to amp- amp- amplify the seances and that maybe these bodies are buried on the property since they're not in the co- coffins that they That's dug so up. That's so weird. It's so weird. It's It happens very fast. It's like, where are these conclusions coming from? It's a lot of guessing, but it ends up being right. So. It's almost like they did like a reshoot to give the movie a big finale. Maybe. Maybe. Or like they needed to get some exposition done fast or something like right. that. Um, 
So some scary stuff happens, basically. And the dad comes home drunk one night because it's also been established that he um, has an alcohol problem that he's been trying to quit. Um, he comes home drunk and he smashes all the light bulbs in the house and then leaves. He comes in drunk. He's like, all the lights are on in the house. and Everybody's in bed, which reminds me of what I said about Ryan the other night. Yes. I was watching it and I was like, uh-oh. Yes, we, yes, we, yes, yes, yes. We came home from seeing the Scream 2 midnight showing. and um, Which was awesome. It was awesome. Um, there's a little blog post about that on Patreon. That's right. You can read about it. That's right. Um, but so we came home at like 3 in the morning and the lights were on. And I was like, if Ryan's not awake and watching TV, if this bleep went to sleep and left all the lights on and be pissed. And guess what? He kind of did. He was like in bed, like looking at his phone or something. So Kristen came to the door with a baseball bat and goes, Oh, the lights are on! The lights are on! Smash the light bulbs. <laughs> Kristen doesn't use light switches. Fun fact no. about Kristen. Mm-mm. She goes through like a thousand bulbs a year. It's very expensive, but we all have our rituals, our things that make us feel comfortable. I guess. Hey, you do you. It's self-care. I like to smash the bulbs. I smash the bulbs. So he comes in, he's like super pissed, and he's like, all the lights are on, like me. And he unscrews all of them. And he's like, okay, there we go now all the lights are off okay perfect he smashes them on this in the sink it's like scary and like kind of sad and messed up but it actually leads to a very cool horror movie scene so the house starts going nuts after he's left the phone like electricity is all happening the phones start ringing the radio turns on and the light outlets spark so like there aren't light bulbs in them so the lights can't go on but everywhere there would be a light bulb is sparking and it looks cool it's that pretty neat cool. um there are some cool things in this so they call the reverend he comes over and he has again he just has a cool quote that i wanted to put in here he has a cross that's an iron cross but it's like magnetic so he can pull apart the two cross things and he's holding these two pieces of metal and the mom is like what's the deal with this and um he's like well it's an iron cross it's magnetic and he says prisons have iron bars to not only or i guess he's like um iron is protective yeah quote prisons have iron bars to not only contain the body but the evil that may lurk within it i wrote this dude is cool I, yeah, I like that. I know. It's really neat. Um, so he's going through the house. He's trying to kind of talk to the spirits. and He's holding the iron to protect himself in both hands. And he says that they're not there to punish them, meaning the spirits, no matter what they've done, but to free them like a bird caught in a room. Thought that was a cool line. Yeah. There's also kind of a motif because there's like a scary bird thing that happens to the cousin. Oh, okay. Um, so fine. Cool ideas in this movie. Like even if it's, it's not like executed in a way where you're like, exactly. this is a classic. These are great ideas. There really are. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. it's fine. Sure. But there are things on paper that are like very cool. Um, so he somehow finds out fine whatever. He he knows where to find these body parts, like parts of a skull and stuff like that. Because I think we may have found out at this point. I don't know if I wrote it down and it comes up later, but if I did, I'll just breeze by it. We find out that those people who were holding the seance were found dead with Jonah, not because Jonah like killed them all and ran away. Yeah. It was that he, they, they're doing the seance. The ectoplasm started coming out. It started like glowing like lava basically. And then like exploded and like burned everybody in the room. Oh. And Aikman, the seance guy is like, run or else like they're gonna blame you or something so jonah runs into the dumb waiter thing which is actually i guess the thing to like transport bodies up and down okay it's small like a dumb waiter though so it could just be a dumb waiter i think it might maybe just be a dumb, dumb waiter, waiter and, goes, a, and a body lift maybe yeah. and he gets stuck in it and then somehow probably the ghost in the house or something 
um, the crematorium thing next to it goes off. And so Jonah ends up burning and dying. Gotcha. And the priest somehow figures out how to find it's 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 not even explained. He finds skull parts and he gathers them all up um, to do something, you know, with them that we'll find out. Um, a bunch of ghostly activity k- kicks up. He kind of stumbles and coughs. So you're like, oh, no, because remember, he's sick. Right. But then it subsides. So Matt, I'm trying to like breathe through. Yeah. Matt wakes up with writing on him. The ghosts have carved on him in his sleep or whatever. And his mom thinks he did it to himself, understandably. Um, and she calls an ambulance. So a gross, cool thing that they do is that they cover him with the sheet and then they kind of pull the sheet up and you can see where his blood has made a mark on the sheet, like in the pattern of the words. Oh, that's that are interesting. On him. It's kind of sweet. That's cool. Um, so, okay. The priest figures out the thing, um, with it not being Jonah's fault and him running away. Um, the priest has the ashes of what we now know as Jonah somehow in the car and he opens the car door and they like blow all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When that happens and also they've now taken Jonah to the hospital, which now I wonder if it's, I guess it's the mental hospital maybe, you know, from happening in life. Um, All the food in the house has spontaneously, spontaneously gone moldy and rotten Mm. and the priest calls the house to say he made a terrible mistake and he's talking to the mom he says Aikman didn't remove their eyelids so they could see and this is like this doesn't make sense Um, this isn't one of the sweet things he (laughs) says he realizes that Aikman didn't remove the eyelids that they could see but to make them unseen why would removing their eyelids make the ghosts unseen Fine. Um, All those poor souls are in the house and Jonah was trying to free them. But now he has taken Jonah out of the house, Jonah's body out of the house. So now now all that's left is their rage. He says, get out now. Um, The family hears that Matt hasn't responded to treatment. He could go any time. And when they asked to. So he's in a medical hospital, actually. They're talking to his. Okay. Yeah. Um, they asked to see him and he's busted out of the hospital room window because he's going to go to the house. and He's going to end this thing. Visions have happened. He's talking to, I think, what is Jonah in the hospital room with him? And he knows he has to go and burn the house now. So he goes and they do a little Jack Torrance thing with an axe. Like he takes an axe to like break down the door of his house and get in. And Sarah... Um, it, it Sarah and the kids are in there. His parents have just gone to the hospital. And he says, whatever you do, do not let them put out the fire. And he's like pushing all of them out of the house. And she's like, what about you? And he's like, I'm already dead. Which is kind of sweet and sad and cool because they've told him that he could die anytime. He yeah. could die tonight. So he's like, if I'm going to die tonight, like I'm going to end this thing for my family or whatever. I, that All right. That honestly, I just got to chill up my spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, one. I'm very cold. Yeah, it's very cold down here. Two, I almost played that in my head as like he's dead. Oh, like he's already died. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could. I'm yeah. a ghost, but I'm trying to save you. Granted, it doesn't right. explain doesn't explain who's holding an axe. Yeah. I, I guess for the movie's sake, it's canon that he's not dead. Yes. But like the thought process of like, but what are you gonna do? And be like, I've I'm already gone. Yeah. And then you get like a call from the hospital that's like, Well, we we have to tell you he passed away. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They're just occurred it's, to me and it scared me it's freaky yeah um so now is the part that i think you're thinking of that's like very sweet and messed up so he goes downstairs and again it's a little confusing i don't really know what's going on here it exactly. sounds like this all sort of fell apart 
it kind of did. And also just like, what's so he starts hacking up the walls downstairs and there are bodies stacked <laughs> up in the wall. So dead bodies with that carving writing on them are stacked up like kindling in the wall and they're falling out. I love it. Like the wall is like infested with bodies. So that means anytime that you were just leaning up against the wall. Right. There were bunch of dead bodies of dead bodies like an inch away from you now i was confused because these dead bodies are extremely well preserved nobody's rotten or en- rotting or en- or anything like they're that. like dusty mummies almost right no oh really <laughs> like they don't look like plump and pink or anything but they're not really dusty mummies they're oh. like i don't know if, if we're to uh, to understand that they've been embalmed and stuff so maybe they're a little preserved but like they're more preserved than makes sense yeah so i was like is he seeing this as a vision and like it's still gonna work symbolically and everything but like if somebody were to walk in right now do they see what we're seeing with matt right or do they see something else Cause it doesn't make sense how the bodies look and it turns out, yes, they would see them that way. So it's a little bit confusing. Um, so he's just going to town, like rolling all these bodies out. And then um, it keeps switching where like he's himself and then he's Jonah, oh. like visually. It's it's really weird. It's weird. Um, so then he burns the photo. Fo- <laughs> he's setting all the bodies on fire and everything. He throws those morning photos into the fire and importantly and grossly the eyelids. Yeah. So he just takes the box and like throws them on and they seem crispy. They don't, they don't seem whatever. Yucko. Um, the fire seems to reveal the same kind of writing that's all over the bodies as being all over the walls of the basement. So if you picture a piece of paper like burning and crumpling up and maybe revealing something underneath, it's like that, but with writing everywhere. Oh, that's interesting. Again, I don't really know if that's literal or if it's sure. symbolic or whatever. Um, but the mom has come at this point. The family's all there. She breaks into the burning house and it seems like she sees those bodies too. So I guess that's just the deal. Um, it's also been established that the mom is very religious. So she recites some scripture while she's holding him. It's very dramatic. And um, the ghosts come over to look at what they're doing and then disappear. So it's it seems like the combo of the the fire and maybe burning the eyelids and the photos and maybe yeah. her scripture has released them, them or free. something like that. And then the firefighters break in through the wall and they rescue all of them. Um, so they bring him outside. It seems like Matt has died of um, smoke inhalation or something. The Reverend is there too and everything. And they're able to revive Matt. And when they do that, the priest turns and he sees Jonah standing next to him. And, you know, perhaps he helped. So, okay, I wrote it. So then it goes to Sarah's voiceover. So we don't go to see her again at the clapboard, but her voiceover says that. Oh, because the documentary wraparound. Right. Okay. But it's it's kind of a weird wraparound because it's not clean like you don't see her talking again it's just her voiceover but whatever um sarah's voiceover says that matt is alive and well now and that god works in mysterious ways we just never know how mysterious though we just never know how mysterious those ways can be consider yourself warned what i don't know and then there are like you know you might get a miracle but might be horrifying i guess and then there are end cards that say his cancer disappeared and never came back and that the house has since been restored and no one has complained of any haunting since here's the thing that house never burned yeah that was that was never a thing at all so people take some issue with the fact that this says based on true events right it is based on some true events correct it's correct i think it's particularly weird to like 
I don't know. I'm just leaving out the thing about the house entirely. Sure. To say it's been restored? Yeah, it's been restored. But it was never burned. Also, he said, don't let them put out the fire. Yeah. And they did. I know. The the kids failed. Shouldn't that have been? A, yeah. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's good. I guess he's guess alive and fine. healthy now yeah. and everything. Um, Thank God. It turns out I could live and do that. Yeah. <laughs> this all worked. I'm glad you guys didn't listen to me then. Great news, everyone. I was wrong. <laughs> right. It's all perfect. Now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll leave you with, I was going to leave you with the Jennifer Lawrence and Seth Meyers thing. It's sure. frankly a better ender than what I'm going to tell you, but I just think it's interesting. In the trivia section, it said that there are some real seance photos used in the movie. They're not all just doctored props for the movie. Some of oh. them are doctored seance photos of like, you know, fake ectoplasm that's, cool. that's made of cheesecloth or whatever. I like that. Yeah. I, it feels like there's a mixture of care taken with the movie and like, honestly, you know, not knowing anything about the production. Right. Some of what you just explained smacks of a studio saying we need a big finale. Yeah, definitely. And being like, but, but the house didn't burn, but how do you hide bodies in a wall? Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm like, guys, I'm not saying they look great. I'm not saying like they look like, like they just died. But I think we're to believe, I don't remember the dates, but I think we're to believe the seance stuff happened a long time yeah. ago. And it was a morgue like a long time ago. Everybody looks pretty old timey. And these bodies just like don't look that old. Yeah, so yeah. It's kind of weird, but whatever. I do, I do love I mean, the idea. Though. awesome. It's sweet. I have long, I have long thought of, um, you know, there's a, a time not that long ago where we didn't have the best system for dealing with the dead. Yeah, Quite yeah. Frankly, I still don't think we do. No, we don't. But um, uh, who's to say that, like, you know, we're in a basement right now. We're partially underground right now. Yeah. Who's to say that if I just took an axe and a shovel mm-hmm. and dug through that wall right there, yeah. at a certain point, we might just find a body. Right. I mean, There could be bodies buried everywhere, and we don't know. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking about the fact that they say that New Orleans is built on its dead, yeah. and that's literal. Yeah. There are still bodies in the yeah. ground it's all over. All over the place. And Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. The next time that you're swimming in a lake, yeah. I think about this stuff constantly. Yeah, like, so. everywhere I go, I assume yeah. every building I go into has, like, murders in it. Yeah. And there are people buried under the floorboards. I mean, like, everywhere I go. It's a numbers game. Yeah. Chances are we're right sometimes. Yeah, there are more people dead mm-hmm. uh, than are alive. Right. <laughs> like, of, of all the people that ever exist. Yes. yes, Everyone's buried everywhere. We're all over the place. Right. It's terrifying. Truly. And this movie, granted, they went for a big, ridiculous presentation yeah. uh, of something that's not that really that theory, but the bodies in the walls. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I saw that and I was like, this is yeah. kind of dope oh it's kind of dumb it's boss kind of dope it's really cool and like messed up and gross looking hell especially the shot of them stacked on top of each other and then kind of like falling out like tumbling out disrespectful unceremonious oh of course it's not body stack but for like a horror movie it's sweet yeah yeah Uh, yeah, it's fascinating yeah uh bam well that's it you guys the haunting in connecticut yeah so you know if you're interested even though I've told you all about it, you could check out the movie and see these things I just talked out uh, talked about for yourself. Um, and until next time, you can find us over on Patreon.com/gttupod if you want more 
Guide to the Unknown between episodes. You can also go to facebook.com slash group slash GTTU pod to join our group over there. There are lots of awesome people posting cool stuff all throughout the week, either like neat, creepy news or like memes that are themed around spooky stuff, bringing up topics and be like, hey, does anybody remember this old movie that I watched? And then people do. They're like cool conversations going on in there. So please come and join us. Yep. And follow at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, to stay in the scary world mm-hmm. all throughout the week. You can also follow Kristen and myself online. That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter. And I am the Myth Traveler. That's right. And we would also super appreciate it if you guys would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that's convenient to you that you'll leave reviews. If you use a different podcast app, if you'd like to leave it on Facebook, it's all good. But I will say Apple Podcasts is kind of the big daddy. So yes. if that's how you listen to us, we would really appreciate you leaving us a review there. Yes. Five stars, please. Just like Scarpup14 did, saying, love, love, love. This is one of my absolute favorite podcasts. It has a pleasant combination of spooky with a bit of pop culture and a ton of fun. When it's not spine tingling, it's hilarious. Hmm. Thank you, Will and Kristen. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Thank Scar you Scarpop Pop. 14. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that that's brings it. us to the end of this week's episode of Guide to the Unknown. We will see you next week when we return for more terrifying tales to tantalize and tease. But until that time comes, we must travel back to the netherworld go we is that a thing what do you mean is that from anything no hmm I was. uh, That's why I like really uh, tripped off the tongue. I think uh, last week I ended up like stumbling and stuttering on something because I usually great job. I usually don't know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hey, so CBFR in the chat Mm -hmm. on the live stream uh, called this out about 18 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I heard a voice. Oh yeah, I saw you doing something. I couldn't tell whether it was like something I should comment on or if it was going to like ruin all the editing and everything. About 18 minutes ago. And I'm sure you can see this in the video you version. Can, no, you 100% can because looking at you, I was like, I don't want to halt the action. And then like, what if it's like something Will just wants to breeze by, like you heard Molly or something. What do you mean? I thought I heard somebody say my voice from the stairs. I thought I heard Allie like right there. Was it that spider you like were pointing to? Like 15 feet away. Yeah. And it, it like surprised me because... On the one hand, it was like, so like, it was almost like a whisper that I could hear clearly. Uh Uh-huh. And I, then I was like, well, if Allie's interrupting the show, something important is happening. Uh Uh-huh. Like, because. Yeah. Not that, not that like, this is the most sacred event in the world, but like. Yeah, but right. Yeah. Like, so I, and then there's nothing there. (laughs) There's nothing there. And then I saw a CBFR in the chat say, what do you think Will just heard? That's weird. I thought I, I thought I heard somebody, you know, it's not, I'm not going to claim that I heard someone go, Will. I didn't hear that. Uh huh. But I thought I heard Allie trying. I thought I heard someone try to get my attention. Yeah. Maybe somebody was trying to get your attention. And they've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. I don't know.